0: to free part music class. Free music podcast. What is the music
1: podcast?
0: Stay tuned.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the Free Your Music Podcast. In this episode, I interview Neil Sullivan. Neil is a founding member of the band Intuit. And also collaborates with the JMO Club, which is a 10-piece Latin explosion band. He's played at Red Rocks and many main stages at different festivals. He's recently started a brand new solo project, which you will hear a sneak preview of. So stay tuned and enjoy.
1: I feel it like a summer rain When it's coming back around again And I hear it when the thunder rolls the rumble of the heavens And I've been wasting time, shit I know that I'll do better It took some time to realize, thought, But I'm here, I've arrived Who I am, what I am, what I
0: Neil Sullivan and I'm making music currently uh with uh myself as solo project, Neil Sullivan. Um I am also a founder of the band Intuit from Boulder, Colorado, um, which is currently on hiatus, and I also play in uh the band Jimo Club, uh Denver-based Latin Explosion.
2: Let's go back to early history or childhood or whenever it strikes you, but
0: what was your first musical memory? First musical memory? Well, I would say what comes to mind, my first uh, musical memory in terms of uh, feeling the itch to learn an instrument was uh, my I had I had a neighbor, Jared Rose, who was just as a young kid, just already virtuoso incredible, and I just, you know, remember sitting in the sun in the backyard and watching him play and just being like totally. And transfixed. And, and he was playing the guitar? Playing guitar, yep. And so, you know, I'm, that was definitely a moment that I was like,
1: I want to learn how to do
0: this. And <laughs> was he a similar age to you at that time? Yeah, he's a couple of years older. Okay. How old were you? Um, let's see. Must have been uh, seventh grade or something like that. Sixth grade. started playing when I was in seventh grade, so probably about sixth grade, 11 years old maybe. Nice.
2: And when was it? Uh, so you got the itch. Did you pick up the guitar then?
0: Uh, kind of procrastinator, you know, uh, I, I played a little here and there, there was a guitar laying around, um, but didn't really get serious till, uh, yeah, maybe that next year, it took me a year or so to get into it and then played all through high school and, and whatnot. Nice. Um,
2: and were you when you picked it up, were you playing acoustic or electric?
0: Yeah, I started with an acoustic just because it was what I had access to. Yeah, um, and then shortly thereafter got myself a a guitar, uh, a one a guitar, a Parker guitar, uh, which is what Jared played. <laughs> so I was truly being a poser. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta learn from those who inspire you. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. Um. So when was the first time that you performed music? Well, that was pretty cool is, uh, going to CCHS in Concord, Massachusetts, where I grew up, um, there was a really well, um, produced battle of the bands and about 20 bands would try out and they'd let eight bands compete. And that would happen once a year. And they hired the local radio station to set up two stages and proper sound system. So by, by the time I was like 14, there was a, a venue, so to speak. And so we would kind of rehearse all year for that 20-minute set and for that uh, audition and so that was that was like my f- intro to gigging um which i actually attribute that to like really having the momentum to pursue it because you know as a young kid actually having an opportunity to get in front of 500 people um pretty cool
2: yeah so sold that audience at your first show yeah
0: yeah most years it was just a built-in audience you know because yeah. it was just the thing
2: that's awesome and how did it go? Like, were you super nervous or confident on stage or how
0: did it go? I've always been pretty comfortable on stage. Um, I never, no band I ever played in did that well in the, uh, in the ratings. And I I think I attribute some of that to uh, the nature of being in high school. It's a bit of a popularity contest. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe we just weren't that good. You know,
2: (laughs) you weren't experts from the first show. Um, so, but, uh, did that show give you some momentum like mentally and think and change your mentality thinking that this is a career I could pursue?
0: I think I was more just obsessed and and was not thinking long-term though. I've always related to music in a very free but serious way that it's always felt like the most clear thing that I've meant to do. And that really enriches my life. So I was you know already pouring my soul into it and playing constantly to the point of driving my family nuts and all that but um you know didn't i don't think that uh i think even to this day i still uh am looking for those affirmations to keep going you know it's a dedication to be an artist and a musician and um there's always fear to to be conquered and but i think that if you can just like do it for the love of it and really believe in it then that's actually gonna sustain you longer than um feeling affirmed by some accomplishment you know
2: yeah so you you said something interesting uh, free but serious what, yeah
0: what does that mean to you um to me um by that i i just mean that i have to be free in my music, like I was actually just speaking with my girlfriend about this is I don't ever want to create out of fear. I don't want to like, you know, I I seek to have a career in music performing and um, I have a realistic understanding of what that means in terms of all the hard work it takes to get there and the lack of guarantees. But it has to be about the music first. So um, being free in that when I go to make music, I'm doing it for my own human growth and for connecting to other people through expression and, and through finding beauty in life that uh, like can make it easier to be human and live and, and deal with the challenges of, um, you know, living in this world. Um, so in that way, it's, that's kind of the freedom. And then the seriousness is that, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in the bedroom forever making this music. I would like to, you know, get serious about it and, uh, do what's necessary to create the dream, you know, to, to live the dream that I've imagined.
2: Were there any other artists or teachers along the way that have really
0: inspired you or changed your sound? Definitely. And what comes to mind really is that just seeing live music has always, you know, kind of blown me away. And, and one of my favorite ways growing up to see a new band was, you know, I'd hear the buzz or I'd, for whatever reason, I'd know that this show is happening and that people I know are going and and I would just go blind. I wouldn't want to know anything about the band. And, you know, I've gone through all my musical phases and I remember like going into Boston and seeing like some of the jam bands, like Umphreys McGee for the first time in these tiny little clubs before they blew up. And, you know, going there with no expectation and then having, you know, the chemistry, on stage, chemistry and musical virtuosity kind of blow me away, and um, so, you know, I think, you know, I've, I've, it's been a long time since I've been a jam band guy, but at the same, at the same time, like, every show I see, I've, I'm touched by the artist, you know, unless it's a garbage show.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's great. And did you study music in school?
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, so I'm self-taught up until college, and then I went to Naropa University, um, in Boulder, Colorado, and did my music degree there.
2: And uh, is it a general music degree,
0: or did you study particular type of guitar? Neuropa has has an interesting program. It was um, a very small program. So, and uh, and Neuropa by nature is very student directed in terms of like I had a lot of freedom in my in my path. So I studied recording arts, um, and I studied some different world music, took some West African percussion, um, took some samba classes, took, uh, you know, just just learned a, a lot. It was pretty broad, yeah.
2: Great. And when
0: did you start singing? Um, I think probably in, you know, I've always sang, but I didn't truly start singing until Chloe, my my partner in uh, Intuit, um, kind of forced it out of me. Like she knew I was capable <laughs> and uh so yeah that was pretty much you know i guess i was singing in high school but just here and there and with a lot of like you know holding back and then uh into it really gave me the the voice
1: see the sun rising on your face and memories I can't erase And as the moon is to the sea, you are the one that's moving me And if I could change both time and space, I'd let them flow at a natural pace Cause now I know to trust the stars and to feel the love inside my home Pushing back to me, I hear the song moving through the trees. I'm letting go, will I blow away? But time will tell if I will stay. And I promised you would live alone. I do the work, and in return, you promised me would live and grow into something beautiful.
0: And I'm still learning how to sing. <laughs> I'm like totally untrained and. And uh, yeah, so it well, uh, so maybe 2012 or something, 2011.
2: Okay, more recent. So
0: you played on some of the you know, most prestigious
2: stages. you know, you played at Red Rocks uh, recently, you played at uh, the main stage at a Rise and, and many other. you know what have you learned from you know your evolution as a musician?:
0: Yeah. Um, man, I'm always learning so much, but I think um, what's been present the whole time is that um, being really honest with an audience and with yourself when you're creating music, uh, to me that's how I've reached people um, in a way that's meant something to them. So, um, you know, and, you know, I can be kind of nutso on stage. <laughs> like I I've, I kind of get possessed by the music, but it's, you know, I, again, that's, it's an authentic experience that like, I can't help but be expressive on stage and I think that, you know, that kind of honesty is received in a performance. Um, you know, I'm jumping off of things sometimes and I'm falling onto the ground and and you know, there's video evidence of these things, but it's never it's never a, a show. It's actually just um well, it's it's a show, but it's me and the music doing our thing, you know, it's not actually uh or for the viewer's enjoyment. It's just, uh, so, so yeah, I think that um, that's what I've learned is to be myself and to be willing to be seen and to be um, brave and embodied, you know?
2: It's <laughs> great. Um, So, you know, bring me to a moment that was a low point in music. Like, was there any stage or any time where, you really had it a rough go of it hmm. and how you overcame it. Let's see.
0: That question's hard for me because there's always a, a challenging component to being a musician, but, at, and, and maybe I could speak to it in that broad sense. Um, but I find deep joy in the struggle and actually like, you know, in, in musicians who have really touched me with their music, there's a component of, you know, committing to your craft and your art, regardless of the pain it might cause you. And um, so, so yeah, I think there's low points always along the way. Um, but, you know, if you get used to the ebbs and flows of, of creative spirit of like feeling so crushed and and hopeless and then you know having that pendulum back to being on a big stage with a new song that means something to you and seeing people receive that and just you know um it's a very to me that's what makes music so enriching is is like the journey
2: and and some of the highlights along your path i mean is it expressing yourself through a new song or is there any particular moments that stand out as like, oh man, I want to, you know, dream about that again? And
0: or... <laughs> Well, Red Rocks was cool. Um, I'd like to play there so. again, <laughs> but that's the obvious answer. Um, yeah, I think, well, it, my whole path as, as all the choices I've made and all the bands have played in and, you know, now having toured around the country a bit and, playing all these festivals, it's it's really the high point is is the culmination of all that. It's, it's um, where I'm at at 28 years old as a human being with my life, like my outlook on life is shaped by the choices I've made. And, you know, if you do something enough and you commit to it, it's going to define your life. And because I, you know, threw caution to the wind, <laughs> so to speak, and didn't pursue some safe career path and like kind of consistently and punching fear in the face to, to make my art. It's, um, life just continues to grow into something that I want it to be. So that is kind of the high point.
2: That's great. And was there any, uh, particular decisions or turning points in your life that looking back on it is like, Oh, that was a defining moment or yeah. a shift.
0: Yeah, so I, you know, I, I graduated from high school and was unsure what the next step was. And, you know, I'm, as I'm just finishing talking about this, like throwing caution to the wind, initially at 18, 19, whatever, I was like, okay, I should probably go to school for biology. And I, you know, I should do this. And, you know, music, you know, just just sit on sit on the side for a second. So I went to a university and I did a year and, you know, I went to a town that happened to have no music scene, no venue. And it was like truly the contrast of where I should be. And I have a memory of, you know, coming to close to the end of the year and just kind of being fed up. And I was in one of those high rise student dorms and I went into the stairwell, which was, you know, a 12 story stairwell with an acoustic guitar and the reverberations were wild. And I just remember like ripping into my guitar and this, like thing coming from it, you know, and I, I remember being like, I'm getting the hell out of here. Like, I'm like that, that stairwell moment was like, you know, something about that guitar echoing back to me and the size of, of what I was hearing and how like meaningful what I was doing in that moment was, I was like, I'm insane for being all the way up here in, in upstate New York, <laughs> like, The mountains are beautiful, but uh, there's music to be made. And so, and then, yeah, that's what, you know, I basically looked up some things about Colorado and headed out here. It was pretty defining.
2: (laughs) Well, I feel honored that uh, when you decided to pursue music, you chose our state, (laughs) you know.
0: uh, That was another weird. Everybody who went to Naropa has a weird story of how they got there, and that's, you know, that's for another day. But, yep, thanks, Naropa.
2: Well, that that sounds like... uh, I can just imagine a twelve story stairwell that's like concrete and yeah, man, well, that's cool that in a way, it's like the guitar was calling you or the the reverb reverberation yeah and, uh the sound resonated yep um so moving moving on to you know your musical career once you decided to pursue it uh you've worked with Intuit for several years and you were creating alongside other very talented musicians. So how was it in the creative process that you were able to kind of mesh and blend or, uh, co-create songs
0: with, an, with other artists? Um, well, Intuit gave, gave me a cool opportunity for that because, um, Chloe, Chloe Watkins and I started the band and wrote all the, all the songs, some together and some separately. And, um, we we started from a very open place of just like any any song that came out was part of the repertoire. And so before too long we had created a sound that was pretty uh, free for us, like genre wise. It was it was reggae, it was folk, it was funky, it was rockin' and bluesy and So yeah, and and, and we had so many different drummers over the years, different bass players. We had all this musical influence and we always invited everybody in on that level of like anything goes. Um, And so yeah, I guess collaborating with other artists in such an open container allowed a lot of exploration for me.
1: Sometimes I'm making it up. Even when I am, it comes from a place of trying to be myself. And I feel into the space. Still, I can't get out of my own way, and even if I could, I'm not really sure there's anywhere to be going yet then again i feel the light but this time in the middle of the night and i wake from my bed the words in my
0: now in in taking a step back from that group thing and being more in the studio and doing my own thing it's it's kind of you know it's nice to make all the choices and to actually be aware too of how many choices are being made musically at all times and um so it's like this cool contrast
2: yeah well that's interesting and and being able to play in such a free setting and you mentioned that chloe kind of encouraged and enticed you to pursue your vocals and uh, (laughs) bring those out. Yeah. Uh, And now, now that you're, you know, working solo and you are choosing every decision, you know, I would imagine that there's new challenges now because you are for sure the captain. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so uh, do you, do you struggle with perfectionism? And if so, what are your strategies for combating it or working with it? Because you could keep rec- yeah. re-recording everything a million times. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, you know, I, I would say that I, you know, have been called that <laughs> a perfectionist. And I also, uh, I take a lot of time in crafting sound. Um, So I think the way I combat that is, you know, knowing that the art has to be made, the music has to be made. And, um and I, I, because I'm on that side of the spectrum, I can just push myself to finish the, like I can just motivate myself knowing that like my threshold of what's acceptable is well into a realm of, you know, I'm not making things hastily. And, um, so I have to remind myself of that and to just to keep, keep it moving, you know, and, and I'm even, you know, I'm just one of these people who has like this bank of musical ideas, some of which sit around for years and in a very intentional way that it's like, I, I become called to finish something. Um, I'm not sure that I've really been that effective of of learning how to, to deal with the perfectionism, but I'm hoping to just, just create, just put it out, you know? Um, yeah. And just see where, where that would take me. And when,
2: when you say that you have a bank of musical ideas, What does that mean to you? Are those uh, lyrics that you've written Are those guitar riffs or those recordings that are kind of collecting dust and hard drive?
0: Probably a combination, but typically, you know, because the guitar is like kind of how I channel musical ideas, it's where my muscle memory is the most instant so that I can kind of turn the brain off and just have things come out um, a lot of a lot of songs. Or pretty much everything I've written has stemmed from just a single musical idea—not not always a guitar riff, but that's pretty typical. Um, occasionally, it's a lyric, um, but lyrically, I'm kind of in the in the boat of like sometimes I I'm not sure what needs to be said, <laughs> and so like lyrics again are something that take me a lot of time, just because um, not I'm not here to blather. <laughs> so so your songs then are typically
2: created through the guitar and then lyrics are uh, added secondarily is that
0: yeah and now now that i'm spending more time creating with electronic sounds and in a studio setting um other instruments you know the keyboard um i'm by no means a keyboard player but i can uh fake it on recordings (laughs) yeah well midi is nice you can uh, yeah and grab those notes and drag them around um, yeah, hopefully we don't need to fake it that hard, but uh, <laughs> at least do it ten times till I yeah, get, yeah, it right. till get it right. To get it right, but you know, eventually I'll have the proper live band, <laughs> so that each instrument is manned or womaned by someone who really knows what they're doing.
2: <laughs> nice. And and how are you creating your drum tracks?
0: Percussion. Uh, Well, so I've only released the single. Yeah. So um, I guess I can speak to that. That's um, some 808s and some uh, just some like nice samples. Um, So it's pretty much electronic drums.
2: Great. Yeah. So moving on to your most recent work, which is a single called 27. And you wrote it when you were 27, but you're now 28. Yes. And it was. Perfectionism at its. at its finest. Well, it's, it's out like there. Year. It's out there. You push the publish button. So that's, that's, you yep. says something. Um, so where and how did you record it?
0: Um, so I worked on it a lot from home and then, um, a big relationship that's been shaping my whole musical path here is, uh, one with Chris Wright at Violet Recording in Boulder. Um, he's a master of his craft and, uh, has really been working with me and, Helping me shape my sound, showing me what a what a proper track sounds like with, with the right gear, and um, so yeah, I work from home, and then I bring it bring it in there, and anything that can uh, can remain remains, and we we uh, retrack vocals and um, some live guitars and the things that we really want to make sparkle with his all his amazing gear. So kind of doing the at home studio and and in the the pro studio
2: nice and where and you're spending a majority of your time at home working on it thus far yeah and then you go into the
0: studio and yeah for this last one uh you know we managed to do it in a day um and it was pretty wild to to just put in like a 12 hour day and and come out the other end with a song um and it, chris works in analog world over there and um you know he was kind enough to you know with my perfectionism again it was uh I I was listening to it after we, we had taken it off the board. So in analog world, once it's off the board, the mix is gone, you know, you got to start from the ground up. And I heard these micro details and uh, Chris was kind enough to pretty much start from scratch with the mix and, uh, and dial it all back in for these micro details. So thank you, Chris, if you're listening, really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, the more I go in the studio, the more I can avoid those kind of things. Um, but it definitely takes hours in the studio to to be a good studio musician.
2: <laughs> yeah. And and what makes you choose to do analog is that Chris and that's all he works with or is that Yeah, I mean a, if you go to, that if you anal- go to
0: Violet Recordings website, um you can learn about the signal path that he's got going on and all the gear and like it kind of speaks for itself. Um, he's got tape machines and and all this stuff, but um I th- I would love to be working with Chris regardless of the analog gear but um and i'm not such a techie guy but what i hear in there from his from all like the solid state logic board and these nice microphones and the tape machines it just uh there's a richness occurring that i have not heard in any other studio so (laughs) pretty stoked on it
1: i feel it like a summer rain when it's running down my back again And I really think I always knew That I'd feel a whole lot better And I've been wasting time, shit I'm almost 27 It took some time to realize, though But I'm here, I'm alright. Who I am, what I am, what I need Could it be, could it be, could it be I am what I am, what I need. Could it be, could it be, could it be?
0: We did two singles with Chris Wright at, at Violet Recording. Those are the most recent recordings. And we did a Chloe song and a Neil song. And I actually have never released. This final, there's an Intuit song that no one's ever heard. (laughs) So we'll we'll get back to you about that. Is it going to get out there? Uh, You know, it's not going to go in the garbage, that's for sure. But um, yeah, again, I'm listening back and there might be a thing or two I might tweak about it. (laughs) But I would like to release that at some point.
2: Great, great. And so you're also working with, I'm hoping I'm saying this right, Gymo Club? Yes, you got it. And... That is, I had to look it up, but a Dectet, 10-piece oh, wow. band. Is that right? Yeah, I guess. I've never heard that. But yep. Yeah. That's a 10-piece. Yeah, 10-piece. Sure. Uh, so you've worked with a lot of musicians. What makes a great artist?
0: Wow. I think that's a total opinion question. Because, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's hard to, to judge people for their... For their creations, but what makes a good artist? Hmm. I guess the way I'd want to rephrase that question is what, uh, what makes a great artist to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, a great artist makes incredible m- music that stands alone in terms of a recording. Like it, that it, there's an audio experience that you can have that is, um, well-produced, um, a live show that is captivating. Um, and then what really gets me is I want music to both satisfy my, my love for music itself and for the, the human spirit behind the music. Like I like to feel connected to the artist as a human being. Um, in combination with having musicality and instrumentation that is impressive and and well-delivered. I just kind of like the whole package, you know? So to me, a great artist just has it all, like, um, down to the last little detail. And there's plenty of great artists who are, you know, they could be greater if they tuned up one or two things, but, you know, we can't all have it all. Yeah. But some artists are getting close.
2: (laughs) So speaking of... Art, uh, your, your recent work, uh, 27, has a music video, which is unlike any other music video that I've seen. Nice. Um, and I think you mentioned that you created it with a Super 8 film camera. Yep. So first of all, that is analog. Is yes, it is. And so how did you do it, or what inspired you to approach it in that way?
0: Well, um so, my girlfriend's name is Edie Angela Fuertes, and uh, she is a visual artist first and a kind of a musician second. She learns incredibly quickly um, and I have a background in, in alternative process photography. Um, so in our coming together, you know our our relationship is has a very uh large foundation in being creative together. Um, so she was initially the idea. Uh, the one who brought the idea to do it was super eight. Um, and we really like using an analog film camera and analog, you know, like, uh, 35 millimeter cameras or medium format film cameras to create content because not having a viewfinder and, and, um, not being able to micro analyze everything you're creating as you're creating it it, it kind of brings back that freedom I was talking about where you just have to be present. So like I liked shooting the super eight because, you know, it it's a limiting format that allows you to just be very present and come up with something aesthetically beautiful without, you know, staring at hours of digital footage and, and being so ego attached to like what it is and like being able to judge how you look and all this. So we kind of just, um, and we also felt like it would match the, um, the song, cause it has this like reminiscent, um, almost retro-y, uh, sound to it. So, yeah, so we shot it, um, with a, with a super eight video film camera. And then, um, we had it processed by pro eight millimeter in California. And, um, when we got the actual film back, we painted the film and had it redigitized. So there's kind of this psychedelic quality, um, and again, it's just, it's really, for us, it was about having fun and trying to create something that enhanced the music, which um, we were happy with what we came out with.
2: So tell me about that, because I'm totally ignorant of uh, film and painting of film. Yeah. So, so I imagine there's like a long tape. Yes. And you literally it took was 100 water feet
0: long. Watercolor to it? Um, we took uh, ink, ink. Of different varieties of ink. Um, and because you're, you're painting on a negative, a film negative that then is digitized, uh, like scanned and made into a positive, whatever colors you're using will also flip. So, um, so you'll see, we, we stuck to a few, few colors to keep it (laughs) reasonable and, uh, and yeah, just literally applied paint to this film in, in all these bizarre ways. And then, uh, we have a friend in, uh, Littleton, Colorado who has, um a custom scanner that he's uses to scan uh these experimental films. Like he deals with artists who do that kind of thing often. Um and so all of the paint shows up on top of the the film images and yeah, it's kinda, you know, something worth seeing versus talking about. It's kinda oh, <laughs> hard to describe.
2: I <laughs> agree with that. You gotta look. Yeah look it up. Um and that is twenty seven but it's also got the uh, the slivers on the top and bottom,
0: yes. which I find. Interesting. So yeah, we so we had it overscanned. Um, when you shoot with Super Eight, um, you know, when you look through the viewfinder, you're looking at one thing, and then when it comes out, there's a sprocket hole punched out of the image, and there's, um, you know, on the top and bottom, you can see the next frame, that's what that is, uh-huh. it, um, because, you know, on the film itself, there's about 24 little images for one second, that's how um, the film works, and so we could have, you know, honed in and removed all that, but we would have been losing some of the frame that we shot, and, and overall, we just liked how it looked, and and...
2: Yeah, and I noticed, I mean, my own experience of watching the film, I instantly noticed it because it's unlike anything else that I've seen. And then, you know, a few seconds in, it was gone. Like I was just, I was in the the images Mm -hmm. and I was not analyzing the uh, layout of it. Well, that's great. (laughs) So it was,
0: but it instantly stood out. So uh, listeners out there, check it out. And actually, uh, I'll, I'll mention that pro eight millimeter, uh, out of California, they're one of the only, um, places in the country that develop super eight film. And, uh, so they reached out to us after we made the music video and, uh, they're going to be featuring it on their blog. So maybe there'll be a link out there somewhere and you can check them out as well and see some of the work that they've done. They just did some stuff for Beyonce and they've done some pretty amazing, amazing things. So
2: that's awesome. All right, so this next question is broad, but it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> what is music? Hmm.
0: Well, I think music, I'd like to define it as, uh, like, sound that has a meaning to you. And uh, I'm actually going to be teaching this summer. Um at a cu summer program and and that's actually one of the first things that i'd like to ask the class is is to draw a line with sound at one end and music at the other and try to define it because i feel like it's uh you know people like john cage have really challenged what uh what music is what sound is and um you know and and i remember at naropa there was an exercise that I, i did early on in like musicianship one where You know, we were listening to just the soundscape of place. Um, And then, you know, the moment that you put like a beginning and an ending on that exercise, it almost becomes a composition um, when you're, you know, so I don't know. That's a very heady. We could get really heady right now. (laughs) You go as uh, far as you want. But yeah, sound that makes you feel something or sound with meaning or maybe just sound. Maybe it's just sound. I, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and, and why create music um, well for me it, it connects me with other people it, it gives me purpose it gives me um, an outlet for what I'm experiencing that can get me outside of myself so it can be very healing just to make it for yourself um, yeah it's, it's a lot of fun a lot of fun Um, yeah, there's, there's a million reasons. Those are some of my favorite. Nice. And what advice,
2: you know, would you potentially give that class that you're going to be teaching or another younger musician trying to get his or her foot in the door, get started? You know, what have you learned along the way that maybe you wish you knew earlier on?
1: Um,
0: fuck fear. (laughs) Yeah, I think that, uh. You know, procrastination and being distracted is, a, is the death of creativity. Being afraid is the death of creativity. Um, I would just say, like, yeah, if music or art means something to you, just get out of your own way and do it, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, what's coming up in the works? You know, what's the future hold for you? Um, well, I'm working on, I'm hoping to get an album released to support this single by the end of the year that's a goal I haven't set uh much of a calendar to make that happen and whatnot so we'll see if I can if I can hold true to that um but yeah and I'd you know I'd like to uh as soon as as soon as that's happening I'm going to be building the band to make the live show happen and um so yeah I'm excited for all that and Excited to keep playing with the Jymo Club. We've got some gigs coming up that you can find by going to jymoclub.com. Spell that one out. uh, J-Y-E-M-O-C-L-U-B.com. Yeah, we'll be playing the Carbondale Mountain Fair, um, which is a great, great gig. Um, Intuit will actually be taking a, uh, a brief wakefulness from hiatus. Um, and playing in Boulder, I believe in September. Um, not sure where you can find that information, but, uh, you know, stay tuned. (laughs) Probably the Intuit Facebook would be a good place to hear about that. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much covers what's coming up.
2: Great. And what, uh, links can our listeners find you and where can they reach out or what, uh, platforms
0: are you active on? Well, I'll be sure to, to give you those, um, in writing as well. Um, but I, as a solo artist, I'm on all platforms, everything from Spotify, Apple music, SoundCloud, YouTube, you name it. Um, and, um, let's see you and can, your website. Yep. My website is neilsullivanmusic.com. You can listen to the single there. You can watch the music video and see what's going on. And, um there'll be some merch creation happening in the next year or so but again the music and the band are are more important at this point but i've got some ideas and whatnot so um yeah i think if you go to the website you can pretty much link to everywhere else so great great
2: well neil thank you so much for spending your time with me this morning and sharing your music with the world myself and all your wisdom that you've shared. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mike. I
0: appreciate what you do for for all of us.
2: Thank you for listening to the Frio Music Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, consider donating to our patron program. You can learn more about our patron program at freomusic.com forward slash support. Even $1 a month can help us pay the bills and create more quality content for you. If you enjoyed what you heard or gained any tiny nuggets of wisdom from the show, please leave a comment and rating on your preferred podcast platform. Please take a minute to rate the podcast now. Your ratings really do make a huge impact on search results and can help other people find the show and the music that we feature. If you really love the podcast and don't want to miss an episode, you can subscribe to be notified when new episodes are released by visiting freomusic.com forward slash P. Or if you really want to type it all out, friomusiccom forward slash podcast. That's F-R-E-I-O-M-U-S-I-C dot com forward slash p if you know somebody who might enjoy the content of this podcast please share it with them your contributions and support make this podcast possible until next time stay tuned